Good morning. We are journeying through the letter of the Philippians, letter to the Philippians. And uh, so last week we were checking out in Acts where Paul goes and plants this church. And so this morning we turn to the first chapter of Philippians. The Apostle Paul is likely in prison in Rome. That's where most Bible scholars believe he is when he is penning this letter. And this letter is written about 10 years after he has planted this church. And he still has fond memories of them. I, I, I ponder and wonder when he was in that cell, was he imagining perhaps the contours of Lydia's face, remembering her hospitality? Perhaps when he thought of the young slave girl, maybe he was wondering, is she married now? Maybe she has a child. I wonder what's going on with her. Does a smile creep across his face when he remembers the meal set before him at the jailer's table? And as the jailer's family is laughing and joyfully celebrating the salvation that was new to them, this church has supported him physically, They send a gentleman from the church to to bring some gifts that they had collected financially. He loves these people. And this morning, as we begin our, our journey through this book, I want us to examine Paul's gratitude and his affections for these brothers and sisters in the faith. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to flip over to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. Paul pens these words, Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And just want to stop here really fast and explain something. Frequently Paul writes letters that start with Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, or the apostle, or an apostle and servant, apostle and slave. He just says here servants or or bond servants. I think that in itself also helps us to see there's no animosity here. Paul is loved by them just as much as he loves them. He doesn't have to come in and say, listen to me because I have this title. He writes to the saints in Christ Jesus. They are saints not because they are saintly, but because they are in Christ. Because they are United with Jesus. They have placed their their faith and their trust and their hope in the life, the death, and the resurrection. So Paul counts them as saints. Continue on verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all. Making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you. 
because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the gospel and that by it we are changed and we are made new and we are counted as saints because of the righteousness of Christ which is counted towards us. Lord God, let us also be joyous and and filled with gratitude when we consider the reality that we are not saved alone. There are brothers and sisters who have also found life and salvation in Christ and that together we are partners for the sake of the gospel. Let us have joyful remembrances of brothers and sisters you brought into our life who have worked with us, have served with us, who have encouraged us, who have called us out. Pray that you would help us to love one another better, Lord. Help us to understand that none of us would be where we are apart from your grace in Christ Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Why is Paul thankful for this church? Why is there joy in every prayer all the time when he remembers them? I think verse 5 gives us a little bit of a glimpse of the reason for this. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so I want to look at that. But before we get there, I, I want to make note of this. Paul is thankful for people, not things. You see that throughout his writing. He gives thanks for these people or this person or this church that have done these things. He is thankful to God for people, not things. And I want to encourage us, church, let us thank God for partners in the gospel. Let us be grateful, thankful in our prayers, in our words for partners in the gospel. The Philippians were gospel partners. They weren't just friends with Paul. They were partners. The Greek word used here for partnership is is koinonia, which is often carries kind of the connotation of fellowship. But Paul isn't talking about potlucks. And Paul isn't talking about Christians kind of just hanging out at a coffee shop and, oh, we had a good time fellowshipping. Yeah, we kind of read the Bible, but we talked about our kids. And then we talked about the frustrations of life and, and all these other things. It's, it's not this small thing. This fellowship, this partnership is robust. It's a, it's a mutual commitment to gospel advancement. And Paul is thanking God. He said, Thank you, Lord, for these, these comrades in arms. We, we link arms together. We are about the same thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never read the book, but I've seen every movie of The Lord of the Rings. My kids have read the books. They fill me in on all the gaps. But in the Fellowship of the Rings, right, they, 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 
Tolkien has these characters who gather together and they're not friendly with each other, right? The, the elves and the dwarfs, they don't like each other. You have the hobbits, which everyone kind of looks down on. There's the humans. They're not really sure. Then you have, you know, this Gandalf character who shows up. These are all different people with all different strengths, with all different backgrounds, yet they rally together. Eventually, they become friends, and more than friends, brothers, for the sake of saving the world. This is the type of fellowship, this is the type of koinonia that Paul is talking about when he is thankful for this church. And it doesn't exist apart from the grace of God found in the gospel. Friends, every person at this church at Philippi has come to this understanding that they are lost and dead in their sin apart from God. And that by Christ being this perfect, sinless one, lives the life that they were called to live, dies in their place so that they who deserve to die instead live and they're reconciled to God, right? They for sinning rebels against God, but instead God in love sends Christ Christ comes and they can be reconciled back to God. But not just back to God, but they can be reconciled to one another. That's fellowship. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what your background is. If you are in Christ, as I am in Christ, we are reconciled together and we are made new. And not, be, not, not, not just to sit on the sidelines, not just to, to kind of sit and watch other people do the work, but to become partners united together for the advancement of the gospel to the nations, like was just talked about before I got up here and prayed for. But also the advancement, we are in fellowship for the advancement of the gospel here in, in Midland, right, in our community. But we are also about the advancement of the gospel here, right, in our church with the brothers and sisters here. But we're also partners in the gospel advancement here in the lives of each of us individually. And Paul thanks the Lord for their partnership in this if your only fellowship is this happy, carefree thing, you are missing the mark on what God has called fellowship to be. And I think many of us will shake our heads, right? Yes, we agree with this. We affirm this. I, 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 I want this. But do we, do we manifest that in our own lives? Right? Like I, I've been in church long enough and been around as a pastor or as a churchgoer long enough to know that there are these people who, who go from church to church to church to church looking for, I'm putting this in quotes, good fellowship. I want to say you're missing the whole point. Because you're out there looking for what the church can give to you, forgetting that because you are redeemed, because you receive the grace of God, because you know the gospel, you come already with the glue Right, The gospel which adheres you to people who are different from you. It's the gospel that makes good. I hate that word good. It's so cheap sounding, right? 
good fellowship. Like, come on. I hope our fellowship is better than the dinner you had the night before. If you're looking for good fellowship, I might go as so far to say this, and I can say it because it's only my second Sunday in the pulpit. If you're looking for good fellowship, I pray that Midland Free is not the church you settle in for. But if you're looking for life-altering, robust fellowship that's going to go with you as you bring the gospel in your own home or in your workplace or wherever it is, then I pray Midland Free would be the place you call home. The gospel-centered, Christ-exalting, God-glorifying focus is what we want to adhere our fellowship around. I had someone come to me say, you know, I have great friends and we have absolutely nothing in common. I don't even know why we're friends. And I said to them, because of the gospel. The most important thing is the thing that you rally around. Who cares that they're cheering for this team and you cheer for that team or you enjoy these things and they enjoy something else? Why do you find union? Because you have the most important thing together. You have Christ. I am so grateful and I spend so much time praising God for the men and women he has brought into my own life. I am grateful for the Adams and the Erics, the Susannas and the Shannons and all the other people that God has brought into my life who have been partners with me for the gospel. And Paul says, I thank God. I mean, I'm thankful for you folks, Paul is saying, but I thank God because he brought you into my life. If you were to diagram this passage out, you would find that he is not just thankful because they are partners in the gospel. And depending on which translation of the Bible you have, which version, English version you have, you might have a period after verse 5, or you might not, because this is one thought. This is one sentence in the original language. So he is saying, I'm thankful that you are partners in the gospel. But he is also saying, saying I am thankful, I thank my God, verse 6, for I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Church, let's not just thank God for partners in the gospel, but let's thank God for him completing his work in those people. Let's thank God that he is completing his good work that he began in their lives. He he writes, Paul, thankful that you've been partners from the first day And then he goes and says, but I'm also thankful that God is working in you, not just on the first day that you believe, but that God is continuing to work in you and for his glory and for your good in your life all the way through. And Paul is already seeing the end point. All who are truly regenerated will be sanctified one day. One day Jesus will return and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and all of God's people in an instant will be completely and fully sanctified 
they will be glorified. And Paul is saying, I'm thanking God for you, but when I look at you, I also thank God for what God is doing in you. But here's the problem. We look around the church and we look at other Christians around our country, around the world, maybe even in this very room right now, and we think, really, God, is this it? Is this the best that you got? These people, we need to look further. We need to see more. We need to grasp that God is working. Because right now, maybe there's that person in your mind, don't look at them, you're thinking, really, God, that's, right? And, and maybe that person's your spouse. Maybe that person's somebody else. Like, really, that's the best that you've got? One day is going to come, and you're going to be awed at what God does with that person. Because his glory will be fully manifested in them. And you will see them on that day that, that Paul's talking about. And you're not going to say, really? You're going to say, God, you're amazing. We need to start thinking about that right now. I've uh, coached different sports and I've coached kids from, from real little kids who have absolutely no coordination in a sport that requires so much coordination. I've, I've, I've seen them from, from little all the way up and, and there are times where, where you're trying to explain, like put your left foot forward and they go, and you say, no, your left foot. And they go, no, your other left, right? I could throw up my hands and be like, forget it. This kid is never going to get this. It's a waste of my time. And some of those kids now are amazing at that sport. And they somehow figured out their left from their right. And they are awesome. Praise God. He doesn't just throw up his hands and say, they're never going to get it. Instead, he says, I'm going to continue to work and pour into your life from the very first day to the end when I will glorify you. And Paul sees that. He's thinking that way. And he doesn't throw up his hands either when he thinks of the Philippians. He delights in them. He gives thanks, anticipating what God is doing and is going to continue to do in their life. Let us give thanks and pray with joyful anticipation for the brothers and sisters that God has given us. God, the the omnipotent, all-knowing, immutable God is doing something in your life, and not just your life, but in the lives of other people, so that when you look at them, don't think, really, are they going to get this? Or like, they, they Say, I know that God is still working here. Before I continue on, I, I just want to say this about you. You can look around and say, really, God, you got to work faster in this person's life. But take a moment and consider your own life. Because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Paul calls us saints because we are in Christ, but we still are sinners so we still struggle with sin. And when sin manifests in your life, some of us, depending on what the sin is, we work really hard to suppress it and to hide it and pretend like it isn't there because we are ashamed that someone else might know about it. 
For some of us, when, when, when we sin, maybe it's uh, that, that, that one sin that really has that hold on your life and it just you can't shake it, you sin, and you're just crushed by it. At that moment, I want you to remember that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Even in your sin, even in your mess, he doesn't throw up his hands and say, forget you. He has already done everything that needs to be done to bring you all the way to glory. Take a look here at verses seven and eight. Paul writes, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment. Now, were they in jail? No. But they didn't abandon him. They actually supported him. And in the defense, in the confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Beloved, we must thank God for the affection of Christ. When was the last time in prayer and word you said, Lord, I am so grateful that you, you love, you, you have affection, and it shows itself through Christ to me? Because let's be honest, right? We are generally joyful and thankful when we actually enjoy something, right? We can pretend, we can, we can say thank you, Right? Maybe you had a mom like mine that even when you weren't thankful, she was like, say thank you. Okay, mom. You weren't thankful. You just didn't want to get spanked. Or is that just me? Right? You could pretend. You could put a smile on your face, right? Like as adults, like, yo, this, this meal's amazing. Thanks. And then you choke it down. Or you just are grateful and polite, but when you are really actually joyful for something, it's not forced. Paul writes here and he says, I hold you in my heart. God is my witness. I yearn for you. And please understand that this isn't some glitter encrusted Valentine card where it's like all you know, flowery and beautiful, and, but you're just, it's not true. Paul truly loves the Philippians. How does he do this? I mean, how does Paul produce this deep, literally it says bowel or intestinal affection for all of these ones? And Paul's not just talking about Lydia. He's not just talking about the young girl. He's not just talking about the jailer and his family. He's talking about all of this church, once he had never met, once he never baptized, once he, was, he wasn't involved in their conversion, how is it that Paul can say to them, when I pray for you all, meaning the entire church, I have joy, I have affections, I yearn, my, my bowels drawn to you. How? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you again. I mean, I, I struggle to show love and affection especially with people I find prickly or unloving. My bowels are not stirred towards them. 
got to start using that phrase more, I think. They don't like the things I like. I find, like, it's hard to even talk to you. You don't think the same way I do. It's easier for me to unite with people who are like me. And I I keep using I and me because I'm trying to be nice to you guys because the reality is you all do this too. Right? I mean, it's easy to love people who are lovable. I love my wife. She has done some amazing things. It's easy to love her. I mean, even when I want to be mad at her, I'm like, I still love you. But there are some other people I was like, I would love for you to go away. Because you are not easy to live with or you are not easy to work with or you're not easy to forgive. How is it that Paul can do this? How is it that this rich affection can be manifested in his life all the time? I want to say, really, Paul, all the time? All of those people? Really? Here's the secret. You see it here a little bit, but, but if you're familiar with Paul's writing, you, you don't get very far into to Paul's letters and you start rubbing up against this love and affection that he has for Christ. His love and affection for the Philippians doesn't start with the Philippians. It actually starts with Jesus. And God is using Paul's affection for Jesus to to be the conduit by which Paul then loves the rest of the people he interacts with. The unlovable ones are now lovable because he starts loving them the way Christ loved him. Remember, Paul says, "I'm, I'm the greatest of all sinners. Again, the reality is all of us can echo that sentiment, right? We are all the greatest of sinners. How is it that Paul is able to love these people? It's because Christ loved him. God uses Paul's affections for the son as the means to establish a Christ-like heart in Paul's life that then manifests as he thinks about all of these people in this church that he could say, every remembrance Every prayer for all of you is filled with joy. I yearn for you. My my bowels yearn for you with all of the affection of Christ Jesus. That's the kind of love this church needs. That's the kind of love the church of Christ needs wherever it's found. But that's not natural. You can't just say to someone... Love like Jesus. Just, just do it. I tried. It doesn't work. Right? Like, how then do we grow in producing this kind of love? I think we follow Paul's example. We need to think about Christ. If you are a partner in the gospel, you should know full well that you never outgrow the gospel. And when you think about the gospel, you you can't help but separate it from the love that is displayed on the cross. You can't help but stop and think like, that was for me. He loved me. Who am I to say, I don't love you? I don't yearn for your best. 
We have to pray, Christians, let's pray bold prayers. Lord, produce a Christ-like heart in my life. Meditate, recall Jesus' love for you. He was good to you. He is kind to you. He is gentle with you. He is patient with you. He is gracious towards you. You don't deserve any of that. That's why it's called grace. Doing these things will cultivate your affection and your joy in Christ Jesus. And that is going to produce the fruit of love in your life. We must never forget 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Praise God for the affections of Christ. He loved us. That's why we love others. Because of Christ's affection for you. And when you sit there and you meditate on it and you contemplate it in your minds, you might be shocked that you're more patient with the prickly person. The unloving person. The person who doesn't like the things you like. The person who cheers for that other team. The person who is not a very easy person to work for. It's hard, I might say impossible, to say you love Jesus and then look at a brother or sister in the faith in the faith and say, I don't love you. It's hard to say you love Jesus and then look at another Christian and say, I'm not really for your good. Because if that was the case, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you. You would understand that you don't actually understand the grace and love that Christ has poured out upon you. Because when you do, that just humbles you. And you think, who am I that he would be mindful of me? And that stirs in you this desire. I actually want to be mindful of you. I want to love you. I want to care for you. I want to pray for your good. Every time I think of you, all the time, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for that partner in the, in the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for that person that you have put in my life. Thank you, Lord, that you are not done with them just like you are not done with me and you are still working in their life to bring it to completion that you would receive all the praise and all the glory and all the, all the honor. I pray, Lord, for this church, that Midland Free, that we would continue to mature in the faith, that our affections in Jesus would increase because it would increase our affections for others. Then we would express with thankfulness to God for the people that God has done a mighty thing in and is continuing to work in. And he brought them into our life. And that we have genuine koinonia for them, with them. A true filling and affections for them. We are privileged. We underline that word. We are privileged to serve and live with brothers and sisters in the faith. Thank God for brothers and sisters. Because we need them just as much as they need us. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God 
in all my remembrance of you because you are partners in the gospel. Because I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion and my bowels yearn with the affection of Christ for you. Let's pray. Lord God, let us be thankful. Let us have deep, abiding affections for the partners, the people that you have brought into our life. Let us be filled with joy when we think of them because when we see them, we are seeing glimpses of you. When they see us, they would see our love for them. Lord, I pray that you would help us to unite together as a church, that we would manifest in such a way that, that we, we can't help but love each other. We can't help but want what's best for each other. We can't help but look in eager anticipation, what does God have next in that person's life? Lord, as we transition here to communion, we are reminded that all of this is only a reality because we are partakers in grace. Because we are partakers in the life, the death, and the glorious resurrection of Christ. So as we come to this table, we come as a family. We all are different. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. But all of us, because we are united in this one, this beautiful Savior, we're all partners in the gospel. And we all are journeying along to be built up into the head, which is Christ. I pray, Lord, help us to delight in our big brother, Christ Jesus, and change us moment by moment more into his image. We pray this in his name. Amen.